Starting at the bottom of Ayin Aleph Amit Beis, the last line, this is a continuation from a Braise that the Gemara brought before regarding the Big Day Kohona, the threads of the Big Day Kohona, how many strands were, was each thread made up of? So it brings over here in the Braise that the Me'il had 12 strands in it for the thread that was used for the Me'il. So what's the source of this? Me'il Shnei Masa. The fact that the Me'il had 12 strands in it. Minolom, from where do we know this? The Chsev, because by the Me'il it says, Vasisa es me'il ha'eifoit klilt cheles. You should make the, the eifoit klilt cheles. What does klilt cheles mean? Literally, klilt cheles means completely cheles. But Rashi says klil means gedil. You, 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 twine, you uh, intertwine together two threads. And therefore, what do we say for, based on this? V'yalef, the top of Ayin Bezam and Aleph. V'yalef, t'cheles, t'cheles. And now we learn out the, the term t'cheles that it says here from the term t'cheles that it says mi-pareiches, by the pareiches. Ma'ala halon shisha. Just like by the pareiches, each thread had six strands in it. Afkan shisha. Over here as well, the thread of the me'il had six strands in it. And now since it says klil, which means that you're using two threads, each one of these threads made up of six strands, so therefore, together, that's 12, 12 strands for the material, the fabric that's used for the me'il. Why are you learning it out from the pereches? Why don't you learn it out from the hem, from the bottom of the mill, and the rimoinov, the pomegranates that were at the bottom of the mill? Learn it out from there. And what would we learn out? Just like it comes to the rimoinim that were at the bottom of the me'il. So the b'raise before said, that the threads were made up of eight strands. So maybe over here, the me'il, each thread is made up of eight strands. And if so that's eight times two would be 16 strands, not 12 strands. So the Gemara answers, no, I don't learn out from the rimoinim. Why not? Donin, keili mi keili. I learn out the me'il, which is a keili, it's a garment, but we refer to it as a keili, from the pereiches, which is also a keili, it's a covering between the kodesh and the kodesh akedashim. Ve'ein donin keili metachshet. I don't learn out the me'il from the bottom of the mill, where it has those rimainim, because the bottom, those rimainim are ornaments. It's not a garment, it's not a keili, it's a tachshet. So therefore I don't compare a keili to a tachshet. So the Gemara says, Adarabe, I skipped one word, sorry. Vein donen keli mi keli. I don't learn out the keli from the tachshit of the keli. Frechtigamara adarabe, on the contrary. It's more logical to compare and learn out the number of the strands in the me'il itself from the rimoinim that are part of the same garment. Donen gufay mi gufay. You should learn out this me'il from the the reminder that are in the me'il itself. Vein done in gufa ma'alma. Why are you learning out the number of strands that there are in the me'il from somewhere else, from the pereiches? That's a different place. So therefore the Gemara gives a different shot. So this goes back to what was mentioned before in the Gemara, when the Gemara brought the source that all of the, of the fabrics of the Big Day Kohone were made up of six strands. The Gemara brought, because it says in the Torah a few times, sheish, 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 five times actually it says. And before we said, one of the times that it says sheish is l'shar begodim. It's written for other garments, Shulinema ben sheish, where the Torah does not clearly write how many strands the thread is made up of. So teaching me that even those, all garments, are made up of sheish, six. So therefore that includes the me'il as well. The me'il, the threads, are made up of six strands. 
And since the Tata says Klil, which means that it's a combination of two threads, so therefore we know that it's 12. That's the source that the meal is 12 strands. Pareiches. Now the Pareiches, it said before in the Braise that Esrim va'arbo, that it's 24 strands for the thread, for the th- fabric of the Pareiches. So why? Dalit, the Shita, Shita. There are four different materials that the Pareiches is made up of, like, right? Because it says by the Pareiches that it's made up of Tcheles, Argomon, Telas, Shani, and Sheish. The four different uh, threads. And each one is made of Shita, Shita, six, six, six strands. So therefore, six times four is 24. There's no, there's no judgment, there's no judge about this. In other words, the Gemara is saying this doesn't need any source. This is very simple. The next thing that it said in the Braisa was the Chayishan and the Yefoid. How many strands was the material of the Chayishan and the Yefoid? Esrim Vishmaina. 28 strands. Nalon, from where do I know this? Because it says there, Vasisa Chayishan Mishpat, Maisa Chayishiv, Kemaisa Yefoid, Tasenu. Zohov, Tcheles, Vargamon, Tlashani, Vishesh, Mojzar. Those are the materials that are used in the fabric for the Chayshen and the Eifoid. So now, how do we come to the number of 28? So first of all, Arba, Dishita, Shita, four strands. You have, not four strands, sorry, four threads. And each one of those threads is Shita, Shita, is made up of six, just like all of the fabric of the Big Day Kuhuna. So you have the four different uh, threads over here. It's mentioned. And each one of them is made up of six. So that's Esrim Varbo. That's 24 strands. And then it mentions that there's gold as well. And Zohov Arboha. There were four strands of gold. With each one of these materials, with the Tcheles, there was one of gold. With Dargomon, there was one of gold. And Talashani one. And Sheish. Each one of them had one of gold. So that's another four. So together it's 28 strands for the fabric of the Chayshin and the Eifoid. Uh, so the Gemara asks on this, how do you know that by the gold there was only four strands of the gold? Why wouldn't you say, just like the other threads, that there was six of each one of them? Maybe when the Torah says gold, there's also six strands of gold. So together that would be not 28, it would be 30 strands. He says, no, the Pasuk there says, when it speaks about the gold, how is the gold made into, into strands that could be used to, to weave with it? What you do is, you have to, first the Pasuk there says, you have to make it into a very thin sheet of gold. This is pure, pure gold, so it could be, it's very soft. It's made into a very thin sheet. And then, you should cut, you should cut uh, threads from it. Yeah. So what does the Torah mean when it says psilim? Psil. The Torah could have written a singular term saying that you cut one thread, one string. It doesn't say that. Instead it says psilim. It uses a plural term that you're cutting threads. So now when it says that you cut threads, so what does that mean? That gives you four because you're taking psilim, which is plural, two, and you're cutting the two into four. So that's the source that you see that there's four threads of the gold and not six. Ravashi Omar, Ravashi gives another answer, Omar because the Pasuk here says, Lasais The Torah says that you should put the gold, you should add the gold thread with the Tcheles and then with the Argomon. So how are you adding? What are you doing here? Hey Chinavid, what should we do? So in other words, the question before was that there should be six. Maybe there should be six threads of gold, 
six strands of gold, just like by the others. So if you're going to say that it would be six, it's not, how, how are you going to come to the number of six? Now the basis of what the Gemara is about to say is, as the Gemara will soon say, and we had this yesterday as well, when you use the threads and you divide them into different strands, it has to be an equal amount that you distribute amongst the different uh, threads here. You can't divide them into different amounts. So if you want to divide gold with Tcheles, gold with Argamon, gold with Tcheles Shani, and you want to divide an equal amount of gold with each one of them, and you want to have more than four, the Gemara says it should be six, but it should be more than four. So now what are you going to do? So Navid Arba, the Trey Trey, if you're going to say that for each one of the four threads, in other words, with the Tcheles, with the Argamon, with the Tcheles Shani, and with the Sheish, each one of them, you're going to put two strands of gold. So Havalu Tmanya, you're actually going to come to eight strands of gold. So then it's actually going to be a total of 32. You have the 24 strands from the four materials, and then you're going to have another eight strands of the gold. It's going to come to 32. So the Gemara says that can't be. The Gemara doesn't explain why. Tesis over here says, because once you're saying that you're adding two strands of gold, how do you know two? What brings you to the number of two? If it's not one, you come to two. So maybe say three, maybe four, maybe five, maybe a hundred. Tesis says, there's no there's no reason to say two. So it can't be two. There's no reason to add two to each one of the four different types of materials here. So now, what was our suggestion before? That it should be six, not four. So therefore the Gemara says, instead, what are you going to say? Navid trei de trei trei. Two of the materials, let's say from the Tcheles and the Argomon, you're going to add two strands of gold. Or trei, and from another two of the materials, let's say from the Telas, Shani and the Sheish, it's going to be the chat chat, just one strand of gold. And that will bring you to six. So the Gemara says, no, you can't do that because it has to be an equal amount of strands of gold by each one of them. Ve'asisa, when the Torah writes the term ve'asisa regarding when you make the begadim, and it says it here by the choshen and then the eifod as well, ve'asisa, choshen and eifod, what do you learn from this? So the bachat ksiv, shavis. That uh, when you, the way you make it and the way you have the, the, the materials of the, of the thread it has to be all equal. You can't add more gold by one and less gold by the other. So therefore, there, what, we, what do we do? We add one strand of gold with the Tcheles, one with the Argama, one with the Tlaashani, one with the Sheish, that's four. So therefore, a total you come to 28 strands for the, for the fabric that's used for the Chayshen and the Eifod. Now the Gemara continues here with other halachas, starting with the halacha of the Big Day Kahuna, and then from there it goes into certain details about the actual, the, the, the kalim of the Beis HaMikdosh. If someone tears any of the Big Day Kahuna, you get Malchus for that. The Pasuk says, should not be torn. How do you know this is a laugh? Maybe all the Torah is saying is, Make for it a seam, that it should be strong in order that it shouldn't get torn. The Torah is just describing how you should make the material of the, of the garment, but it's not telling you a Israel lav that you shouldn't tear it. Answers the Gemara, now, does it, does it say in the Pasuk that you should make it this way in order that it shouldn't get torn? It says, means do not tear it. So therefore we know that it's a love. There's a Sikha Barichas where the Rebbe speaks about this Indian. And there the Rebbe brings the Rambam that says that this love of not tearing the garment, the, the, the Me'il, is not only regarding the Me'il, but it's regarding any of the Big Day Kohona. There's a love of not tearing it. But... The Rambam says that there's a difference. Regarding all other big day kohona, you're only going to be chayv for this lab if you tear it derech hashchosa, because you're trying to destroy it. 
Whereas by the me'il, when you tear it in any way, even if you're not tearing it to destroy it, even if you're tearing it with the purpose because you want to sew it back in a better or a nicer way, you're still not allowed to tear it. Because by all the other big day kohone, it's actually learned out from a different posse, like sasen kein l'ashem lekeichem, that you're supposed to destroy every desire, but you're not allowed to destroy anything in the base of Mikdash. But if you hear there's a special lav of lo to say that specifically by the me'il, you're not allowed to tear it in any way, even for the purpose to fix it better. By mistake, is okay. So Nuksa is beshaking, so he didn't tear it b'meizid, but it's a lav. In any way that you tear it, even not with the purpose to destroy. That's the chiddush of this lav. If you remove the chayshem from not being steadfast on top of the eifod in its position that it's supposed to be, it's supposed to tie it together, that it should be on the eifod. Or someone that removes the poles from the orain, like for that is Malchus as well. Because it says by the ephod and the chayshen, it should not, it should be tied together, not to be removed from there. And by the Badim it says, it should not be removed from its place. But maybe when it says, So the Torah is saying both regarding the poles by the Oren and regarding the Eifoid and the Choshen that make it tight, tie it together tight that it shouldn't move. Put the, the poles inside in a way that it shouldn't move out. In order that it shouldn't move and he shouldn't take it out. But how do you know that it's a lav? So again, the Gemara gives the same answer. Does it say she with a shin? Shin would be saying that it's just giving a reason and explaining how to make it. But it says, So that means that it should not be moved both by the Ephod and the Choshen and by the Badim from the Oren. So over here, there, in that same Sikha, the Rebbe talks about this and the Rebbe says, what's the point of having the poles inside the Oren the entire time? We understand why the Choshen and the Eifod have to be together. Those are two garments that make up really one garment. To some, to, to some degree, the Choshen and the Eifod are considered to be like one garment. They're mashlam each other. But the Eifod, uh, sorry, the, the Oren and the Badim, why, the, why, why were the poles inside the uh, Oren? Simply the reason is in order to carry them. So why can't you remove the poles after you put it inside the Kedosh HaKadoshim and then when you have to travel, bring the poles and place them inside to carry. So the answer is, the Rebbe brings from the Chinuch that says that because if they're going to have to travel instantly and they're not going to have the time to find the poles and to place them in properly, it may take time until they travel. So in order for it to be ready to prepare to travel before, the poles have to always be inside to be ready to travel. So the Rebbe says, you can take a, a lesson from this. What this means is the Aden represents Taira. That's what was inside the Aden, the Luchais. So Ayid, even when he's learning Taira for himself, he always has to have the poles of the Aden, meaning thinking about how he could utilize this to travel and to apply it for even for another year to help someone else. That's the lesson you learn from this. There's a very interesting Taisus here, Bariches Gedela, where Taisus discusses the whole union of the poles inside the Aden. At one point, there's actually a svara that Taisus says, and Taisus uses the term, Vilav de Mistafine Mechavraya. If I wouldn't be afraid of my friends, I would say that the Aden had not only two poles, but besides those two poles, it had another four poles in it. And Taisus goes into the whole Arichas, that it's possible that it had many different poles, and some actually remained inside all the time. Two of them remained inside all the time. And the other ones were taken out and they did not remain inside all the time. The Gemara continues right on this subject of the Aroin uh, and the uh, Badim. Rabbi So he asked the following contradiction. Siv in one Pasik, when it describes the Aroin the, the and the poles, it says, 
In the rings that the poles are inside, that's where they should be. It should not be moving. So it's in this pasuk, it's mashma that it has to be positioned inside in such a way, not only that you don't remove them, but it shouldn't even move at all. But in another pasuk, it says, You bring the poles inside of the rings, and which means that it ha- as long as it's inside the rings, it doesn't have to be firm in one position. It could move around. Inside the rings, it can, it's, it's flexible to move around. So what does it mean? Could it move around or does it have to be mamish loyasuru, that it shouldn't move? So the Gemara answers, ha, okay, so the answer to this contradiction is, misparkin but ve'enishmotin. The, they are inside and they have to remain inside, but they could move around. So what Ashi says, the way it was made is, the poles were thick at both ends and they were thin in the middle. So therefore they were thick enough that you have to like squeeze it in, but once you get it in, it remains inside the rings and it doesn't come out, but it is flexible to move around inside. Tanya Namayachi, we learned the same thing in Abraisa. It says that it should be inside. I would think that it has to be inside in such a way that it shouldn't move from its position. Another passage, it says, As long as you bring the poles inside the rings, if it's inside, it could move around. In this passage where it says that you bring it in, I would think that it goes in, it goes out, it doesn't matter even if it goes out. It has to remain in the rings. How is that? Like we explained, it could move around as long as it doesn't slip out completely from the rings. Continuing on another subject regarding the Mishkan. What is the meaning when it says that the mishkan, the atzishitim for the walls have to be standing upright? So as the mafarshim say, the fact that it has to actually be standing, the mashah I believe says, that's, you can see clearly from what it's described regarding other things of the mishkan, that you don't lay down the krashim flat, because then you're not going to have the height. You see there by the halachas of the Yiriyas and other parts of the Mishkan regarding the height of the Mishkan. So it's obvious that the Atzishitim are stood up and not laid down flat. So why does the Torah have to add Oymdim? Therefore, there's a few different drashas that the Gemara says here. One is, Sha'imdim derech gedilasan. The way they have to be stood up is in the way they grew. Just like whatever it grew, whatever was at the bottom, whatever was at the top when it grew in the tree. In the same position, it also has to be over here when you used it for the Mishkan. This is the source, by the way, you learn out from this regarding other mitzvahs as well. Lulav and Esrik that has to be held in the same way that it grows. That the wood of the Kroshim was so strong that it held the gold covering that was on the Kroshim. It had to be covered gold. So it held the gold on it. And as she says, another pshat that also means that the wood never became uh, full of worms and it didn't get rotten that the, that the gold should not be able to hold on it. Another pshat, Dovracher, Oimdim. What does Oimdim mean? Shema Toimar. You may say, now we don't have the Mishkan anymore. The Mishkan was hidden underground. Ovat Sivron, Batl Sikuyon. The hope and of, of to have again and see these Kroshim of the Mishkan is gone. Tamad Loima, Oimdim. The Postic says, Oimdim. What does this mean? Sha'oimdim, Lo'oilam, Lo'oilam, That it remains hidden there forever and it's going to come back again. Gemara continues, another thing that Rabchame Barabchanine said regarding the Mishkan. What is the meaning of the Pasuk that it says? As big day asrod l'sharez bakaydesh. So in this Pasuk it refers to the big day kohone with the term srod. What does the word srod mean? Rashi al actually says that these big day srod do not refer to the big day kohone. It refers to those uh, garments that they had to cover the Klea Mishkan when they traveled. 
But the Gemara here says it does refer to the Big Day Kohone. So what does it mean, Srat? If not for the Big Day Kohone that the Kayanim wear and they bring the Karbanas that are Mechaper for the Eden, there would be nothing left of, it says the Gemara, the haters of Eden, but it refers to the Eden themselves. There would be nothing left, no remnant left of the Eden. So that's the term Sarad. Sarad means that this, this allows Eden to still be a remnant and exist in the world. He said, by the yeshiva of Rab Shimon, or others say by Rabbi Shmuel, they learned. This means, These are garments, the way they were made, they were taken off completely full made from the loom, from, from Mikleyam, from the loom, the way it was made, it was completely fully made on the loom. Sometimes you make a garment, so you make one piece, you make another piece, and then you connect different pieces of the garments together. No, over here the full garment was made as one piece, it's a much better quality, as one piece made on the loom. And then, Umisardin Mehan Klum. So the term of Srad means that there is one little remnant that is left over that they would attach to it. Maihi. What is this remnant that they attach to it? So with a thread, with a needle, they would uh, attach to it a remnant that uh, was not yet complete for the big day kohona. In other words, usually garments, there's pieces. You connect one piece, another piece. Here is really all one piece. Besides certain remnants that they would uh, attach with a needle. But the Gemara asks on this, is that true? We learned in the Braise, Big Dekona, The Big Dekona are not made with any needle that you sew parts together. It's all made when, it, when you weave it all together as one. Shanama, the Pasik says, by the Big Dekona, It should be made, it should be woven together and not made with a needle that you sew parts together. So the Gemara answers, you're right, but over here, when we say that, we t- that with a needle we sew together another part, that refers to the sleeve. The sleeve you're allowed to sew together. The sleeve of the garments of the Kayanim, it's woven separately, and then and then you tie it together. In other words, you uh, do it with a needle, you attach it with a needle to the rest of the garment. The length of the sleeve has to come down all the way to the palm of the hand. Another thing regarding the Kalim of the Besamikdash. So, so Rochbe said, Omar Rav Yehuda, in the name of Rav Yehuda. When Betzalel built the Arain in the Kedusha Kedoshim, so it had to be covered from gold inside and outside. How was it covered with gold? So he made it three different boxes. We once had this in the Gemara, actually in Yerushalmi, I believe in Shkolem. There's a machlaikis about this. Not everybody agrees there were three boxes, but this is his opinion. That there were three different boxes. Emtsa'i, the middle box was shall eights. That was made from wood. So now how, how high, what was the height of the uh, Oren? A am and a half. Each am is six tfachim. So am and a half is nine tfachim. So the inside box was eights, wood, tisha. Nine tfachim and am and a half the height. Pnimi, then they placed a golden box, shalzav. Inside, the inside box to cover it with gold on the inside was a gold. Shmaina. So that box was only... Eight tefachim high. Why only eight tefachim high? Because the height of the arim, which was a tefach, uh, which was an am and a half, nine tefachim, is when you measure it from the outside. So that includes also the bottom. The bottom of this wooden box was one tefach. So therefore, the inside box is minus that tefach of the bottom, and therefore it's only eight tefachim. Then chitzayim. 
There was an outside box, Shalzohov, the Bach had, also from gold to cover it on the outside. Asoda umashuhu. So that, the height of that, was 10 and a bit. Why was it 10 and a bit? So it was, so as, as Rashi here says, that it had to be uh, 10 in order also to cover the tefach of the kapoiris. The kapoiris was another tefach, and this outside box went to the height of the kapoiris as well. And it was another mashu. Why was it another mashu? Because this outside box has to have a bottom. The bottom is a mashu. I mean, the bottom wasn't a tefach, but it was a mashu thick. So therefore, the outside box, if you measure outside how tall it was, it was a sada umashu. In a different price that we learned, that this outside box, if you measure it on the outside, you'll see that it was 11 amas high in a mashuhu. So the Gemara answer is lekasha. It's not a question. This b'raisa follows the opinion that says that just like the wooden box was a tefach thick, the bottom of it was a tefach thick, the golden outside box was also a tefach thick on the bottom. And therefore that's 11, 11 tefachim high. And then there's the other opinion that says that it did not have the thickness of a tefach. Only the wooden box was thick of tefach, but the outside gold box was not thick of tefach on the bottom, and therefore it's only 10 tefachim high. But the Gemara now asks, According to the opinion that it was 11 tefachim high, so what's the mashuhu? How did we explain the mashu? So before I said that the mashu is because the outside box had a bottom, and that bottom was a mashuhu. Right, so therefore it was 10 and a mashu for the bottom. But according to the opinion that it was 11 tfachim high, how did you get to 11 tfachim? Because of the bottom that was a tefach. So the bottom was a tefach. So there's no reason to have an additional mashu. So what's that mashu? So the Gemara answers, zeh. The mashu refers to a little crown. It went up a little bit higher than the kapaites and it was protruding on the top as like a little uh, design of a crown that went on the top. That's the mashu. So according to the other opinion, he's not mentioning the zeh, that's separate, but according to this opinion, we're mentioning that other mashu for this crown that, sticked on, that came out on the top. So now the Gemara brings the story about these crowns that was not only by the Oren, but by the Shulchan and by the, uh, by the uh, Mizbech as well. There were three crowns in the Kalim of the Beis HaMikdash, they all had a little crown that was, came up on the top. So the one of them is Be'ach, Zoha Aaron Venotle. Aaron and his descendants were Zeche and took it through all of their Aveda in the base of Mikdash. Rashi brings it. There was a bris, Melach for Aaron, for all the Aveda that they do. And Aaron has the, the Kesek Kohuna. The, the, the Mashah says that the three crowns over here correspond to the three crowns that it says in Pirkei Yavis. Kesetayre, Kesuhuk, Kona, Kesamalchus. Shal Shulchan, Zoha David. The crown of the table. So that refers to the riches of a, of a, of a melech that David Melech took. And the notloy. Shal Arain, the crown that is the protruded, as you just said, from the Arain, Adayin, Munachu, that's there. No one took it. Whoever wishes to come and take the crown of the Arain could come and take it. And what does it refer to? It refers to Teireh. Now, Shema Toimar, now you might say, Pachisu. It's a lesser quality than the other ones, since it's just lying there for anybody to come and take, so it's of a lesser quality. Talmud Laima, the Basak says regarding Teire, Be Malachim Yimleichu. It's in me, in Teire, I'm the one that appoints all kings. So the one that appoints the kings is higher than the king himself, so therefore Teire is higher than the other levels of the crowns. Rabbi Yechenen Rami. Rabbi Yechenen asked the Stira regarding the crowns, the way the Teire describes it. 
Ksiv Zar. If you look in the Pasik, so it says Zayin Reish, it doesn't say a Yud there. It says Zayin Reish, so therefore it's read as Zar, which means a Zar, an outsider. Or Krinon Zer, but the way it's actually read is with a Tzere, Zer, as if it's written with a Yud. So what, is it, what do these two things mean? Zaha, if a person learns Tayre, and as Rashi says, he learns Tayre Lishma and properly to fulfill Tayre, then Zaha Nasale Zer, then it becomes for you a crown. You don't learn Tayre Lishma, you don't fulfill what you learn in Tayre, Zara Himenu. Then the Tayre that you learn will be far from you, the Tayre will not affect you at all. Rabbi Yechanan Rami, Rabbi Yechanan asked another contradiction regarding the Aaron. Ksiv, in one Pasuk it says, Vasisa lacha Aaron eats. The Ebesha tells Meish Rabbeinu, you yourself should make this Aaron. Or Ksiv, in another Pasuk it says, Vasu Aaron atzishitim, using a plural term, they, the Yidin, should make the Aaron. So who's making the Aaron? Meish or the Yidin? Mikan, from here you learn out, Latamut Chacham, that when there's a Talmud Chacham that has to make something, that all the people of the city are obligated and are commanded to do the Melacha for him. So Meish Rabbeinu had to build it, but the Yidin have to do it for him. Another thing it says regarding the Aram, that the Aram has to be covered with the gold inside and outside. Amarave, Rav says, so the Aram again represents Teireh, because the Luchas are inside. So we learn from this, any Talmud Chacham that is not on the inside, the way he presents himself on the outside, ain't a Talmud Chacham. He's not a Talmud Chacham, he's a fraud. Abaye, Vitei Merabe Barula say, Nikra Nisav. This person is called abominable. Shenemar Afki Nisav and Nelach Ish Shoise Kamayim Oila. This person is a Nisav. He drinks the water and uh, he has the water which is Teire and he has also Oila which is Karbanis. But yet he's Nisav. He's abominable because he doesn't act. He's, he's, not, he's not inside the way he acts outside. What is the meaning of the Pasuk that it says? It's a Pasuk in Mishle. Why is there mechir, uh, money, in the hands of a fool, to acquire wisdom, and there is no heart there. And what this Pasuk means to say is as follows. Woe to the haters of Tamid HaChachamim. Again, this is used as a euphemism. It's really referring to the Tamid HaChachamim themselves. That learn Tayre but do not have fear of heaven. Machres Rav Yana announced as follows. Chaval. It's a chaval. It's a, too bad for those. Al delesle darte. He does not have a courtyard, but vitara ledart of it, and but he's making a gate for the courtyard. So as Rashi says, what this refers to is teira is only like a gate. Teira is like an entrance. The main thing is the purpose of yiras shemayim. That's the courtyard itself. So if a person learns teira and he does not have the yiras shemayim, so then just the learning of the teira alone is is pointless. Rav said to the Rabbanon, I beg of you, do not inherit Gehenim twice. Rashi says, what does this mean to inherit Gehenim twice? person that learns and toils in Teireh here in this world. So he's working hard to learn Teireh, but he's really never getting the Teireh because he's learning it without Yerush Shemayim. So he gets Gehenim in his life in this world. And he also gets Gehenim when he passes away because he didn't learn Teireh properly. What's the meaning of the Pasuk that it says? This is the Teireh that Moshe gave for Yidin. So Sam, the word Sam, it's written with a sin, but could also be interchanged with a Samach. Zaha, if you merit and learn Teireh properly, Teireh becomes a potion of life. You don't learn Teireh Lishma, you don't learn it properly, Teireh becomes a potion of death. 
This is what Rav said. Someone that is, learns tight and he properly the way a, a craftsman tre- treats his, his work, then then it's a potion of life. You don't learn tight properly the way it's intended to be. The tight is a potion of death. Asked the question again. Says regarding Taita. In one pasuk it says that the commandments of Taita are straightforward and they bring joy to a person's heart. In another pasuk it says regarding Taita, the words of the Eibushar Tzrufa. Tzrufa refers like when you refine silver and there's a hot, you put it into a hot furnace and you're refining it and it burns you. So what is the difference? Zachav, you learn Taita and you zeichem is samchasai. Taita brings you joy. Loi zacha, you not zeichem. You don't learn Taita properly. Tzayfasai. So then it burns you like when you are refining metal and there's Yisurim and there's Gehenim, as Rashi says. Eshlakish Eshlakish says you could see the same point from just this pasuk of Imras Hashem Tzrufa. Megufe dekra nafke from this pasuk itself. Zacha, if you zeichet tzayfasai lechayim, then it refines you in a positive way for life. Loi zacha, you not zeichet it refines you in a negative way and the person suffers from it. The Pasuk there continues there in Tilim, part of the capital Yates, Yiras Hashem Tehira, Aimedes La'ad, the the awe of Hashem is pure, stand which remains forever. How is this? This is a person that learns Taita with purity. My he, what's learning Taita with purity? When a person gets married first, and then he learns Taita. If he's not married, so then he could have the unclean un- thoughts, and then he learns Taita. But if he le- gets married first, then he's learning Taita Betara. The passage there continues, Eidus Hashem Nemono. What does Eidus Hashem Nemono mean? Omer Abchiyeh, so Abchiyeh explained, The Taita is faithful to give the uh, testimony for those that learn it to know who learned it properly and who will keep the Taita and who did not learn it properly and will not be able to hold the Taita that he learned. The Gemara goes back, we'll conclude another little piece over here, going back to the Big Day Kahuna, or Bechlal, not only the Big Day Kahuna, this is actually regarding the Pereiches and the uh, uh, Pereiches and the Masach that was in the base of Mikdash, so in, one, in the Mishkan that is, in one place it says Maiserikim. Maiserikim is made with a needle and thread, sewed. In another place it says, so, which means usually that it was woven. So what's the difference? So says, These both are referring to the same thing. They would make a sign, like a, like a mark of exactly where they're going to be putting the thread in. And that's where they, then afterwards, after they made the mark, they knew where to put in the threads. It's one pshat. Another pshat, these were two different things. Reikim is ma'isem machad. Reikim means that it's made with a needle and thread, and lefichach partsefechad. What was made, Reikim, had the same picture on both sides. This refers to the masach that was around Azara. Partsef, um, sorry, I went, I went back up. Uh, where am I holding over here? Therefore, it has one, just one picture on both sides. Chayshiv is ma'isa oirik. Chayshiv means that it's woven in such a way that you could weave it, one picture on one side and one on another side. So therefore, it has two different pictures and this is the way the pareiches was made. So it's two different things, not the same thing.